you know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Seven years of age. That's how old your podcast host and friend was when he took his very first flight. You see, my mom back then was pregnant with her sixth child. God bless you, mom. And she told my father there was no way in the world she was going to hop into the side of this beat-down station wagon we drove every summer to see my father's parents in Florida. Now, they weren't on the tippity-top of Florida. They were all the way down in Naples, Florida, in this little community a couple miles away from the beach where we would visit my grandparents, my dad's parents, every single summer, seven years old. That's how old I was when I got to journey onto an airplane. TWA, thank you very much for the very first time. What about you? Well, my friends... Today's guest, regardless of our answers, did not journey onto an airplane until he was 20 years old. Why is that a big deal? Well, because today this gentleman, his name is Jeff Jenkins, is a travel journalist and he's been all around the world. So although he did not start until he was 20, he's been making up for it and living out his mantra that life begins where your comfort zone ends ever since. Jeff is the host of the new and amazing National Geographic show. It's called Never Say Never. Jeff travels the world testing the limits of his physical abilities, from attempting to climb 70-foot mountain faces, to rafting Class 5 rapids, to sailing into a windstorm at the very edge of the world. I'm telling you, some of the things he does are simply remarkable made all the more remarkable because he is a person of color who did not see a whole lot of individuals like he is growing up traveling the world. He is a plus-sized individual, and he sees even fewer plus-sized individuals traveling the world. And yet what he wants to model through his life, and this is true for all of us adventurers out there on the podcast today, is that life begins where your comfort zone ends today. Jeff's going to join us to share his personal transformation from a novice traveler to a globe-trotting journalist. His heartfelt story and his infectious enthusiasm and joy, get ready for that one, will leave you believing in your own potential and then eager to embark on your own new adventures. My friends, boom! That's right, buckle up. 
get ready for the ride. If we need oxygen, it will fall from above. Put it on yourself before helping those around you because I have the opportunity and the honor of interviewing a friend. And after you hear his story and his heart and his joy today, you're going to recognize he's also your friend. His name is Jeff Jenkins. Jeff, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. John, I'm so happy to be here right now. It's such an honor. So, dude, I, like a whole lot of folks listen to our podcast. We have some viewers, but the majority of our folks who take in our content are listening to our voices. What a shame. Because if they were viewing, they would see this joyful man in front of me right now. So uh, I'm curious, if they were to meet you in a grocery store or at an airport, Jeff, and they said, Jeff Jenkins, hmm, sounds familiar. Tell me about you, Jeff. How would you introduce yourself? I would tell people I'm, uh, well, one, I'm Jeff, and then I'm a content creator and now a travel host of a new show. We're going to be talking about some of the curation, some of the travel. We're going to be talking for sure about the new show, which is awesome. Seriously, really, really well done. Where are you taking the call from today? I'm in New York City. But that's not home. It's not. I'm from, I live in Austin, Texas. That's been home now for 11 years. And I'm going to make you even go a little bit farther back. Man, get on the interstate for a moment. Hop back on the Greyhound bus. Travel come with ease. Come on down south into Florida, then hit Orlando. That's yep. generally where you were born, where you grew up. Talk about Born life. and raised. Talk about life growing up. You know, growing up in Orlando was, was a fun time uh, as a kid. It did come with some struggles. My mom was in a abusive relationship at one point in our in our lives and we moved to we fled Orlando and went up to Connecticut and then he followed her up there and was still more abuse but once she left that I felt like when it was around like six seven years old that's when things like was on the up and up especially for my mom I felt like something clicked in my mom to where she wanted to embed herself and uh, she just worked relentlessly yeah. to provide for us. Uh, I felt like we were provided for. We were like one one step in the hood, one step into like suburbia. It was like getting out of that. And so it was it was beautiful because I have friends from all those different perspectives. But even as a kid, I've always I always had insecurities. I di I didn't know who I was. And you know, when you get to middle school and high school, you're just trying to fit in. I always felt like in some ways, I, I, especially in Orlando, I felt like I wasn't as memorable, if mm. that makes sense. I think I just had this actualization not too long ago because people always uh, assume I'm somebody else unless they were like close to me. Like, oh, aren't you the guy that did this? And I was like, no, that wasn't me. So that happened a lot, but I did have beautiful friendships and it wasn't until I got to college where things changed. What were you into as a kid? Because we know what you're into now, and we know the joy mm -hmm. in your heart now, but when you were growing up in between Florida and then Connecticut, then coming back down to Florida again, and your mother's in and out of poverty and almost middle class and doing all right and doing the best she can, what were you up to? I sung a lot. Uh, I was like in our like church choir, and uh, I did a lot of singing. My youth pastor in Orlando, he that we have just a really big like youth program there. So it was like all the high school students would love to like flock to the church, even after school. Like there was times where I, I thought to myself like, oh man, you can't skip school 
to just go to church, like, or go up to the church. Were we doing church stuff? No, not all the time. But it was always like that meetup spot where we all got to hang out. And it was, it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of adventures around Orlando and then starting to work and be, I, I worked a lot. I started at, at nine years old cutting grass with my grandfather. He had a commercial lawn service. So we were doing that. And uh, the older I got, I just kept having jobs and I got to work at Universal Studios. So I met a lot of people from Universal Studios. So during the summertime, right before I went to college, those were like magical years. So those years eventually (laughs) sunset out, you moved toward college. What what was your major? What were you thinking you would do professionally? Well, at first I thought I was going to do business administration, but I remember being that first year and I was like, man, this is, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do this. Like it was, to me, it felt not, it was, it was boring. It was, it was a little bit boring. And I was like, you know what? I want to do music education. So I got into music education and that took me down the road of becoming a choir teacher. And I did that for nine years. You got into other things in college as well. Probably a little bit of trouble, but I'll, I'll leave that for a different podcast. <laughs> Jeff Jenkins and John O'Leary after hours, uh, part Come two. On. But uh, I, I would say this though, John, yeah. like in college, I felt like that's when I started like coming into myself. I feel like I'm the Jeff that I am now, or I was able to discover that Jeff in In college. college. Yeah, it was because it was like, it was just other people, like, I guess, getting out of just that bubble of Orlando, just living uh, somewhere else and interacting with people. And that to me blossomed and also got me traveling as much as I am, because it wasn't until I was 20 years old, my third year, going into my third year of college and actually got on my first plane ride. It's easy when you're listening to a podcast and you're, you're working out or working or driving down the road to miss sentences. Uh, and I want to make sure people heard that one. You're 20 years old and you'd never been on an airplane. And <laughs> yeah. at 20, that changes for you. And it's not only a flight from like Austin to Dallas, <laughs> Southwest Airlines, you go <laughs> clear across the country, across an ocean to a whole new world. What brought yes. you to Japan? I did this program called Camp Adventure. Uh, it's a, a contract gover- government program where we got to work with American military kids on American military bases. And we did something like we were camp counselors. And I had a friend that I met. The day I met her was the day before she went to Japan. And I was like, wait, what? Like you're, you're 19 years old. You're traveling to a whole nother continent. And I was like, I've never seen any person that looked like us going out there and traveling. And I'm, I'm just saying a black woman. I just young black kid going and traveling by herself. Like It wasn't like she was going with her family. It was just her by herself from our school. And I was like, you know what? I was like, well, if you can go there. And like, we even researched where she was going. I was like, you know what? I have to go there next year. And literally for a whole year, I made it in my mind that I was going to go to Japan and I could even just vision myself being in Japan. It was that program that, that gave me the opportunity to go to Japan. And before I even graduated college, I already went to 14 different countries. Mm. You also start doing some mission work. And I think mm-hmm. that this is where the dream is going to become crystallized of what you can be used for in your life, how you can really use the talents that you've been gifted and elevate the lives of others. So I, to share that story about what brought you to Africa and, and a question yeah. you asked yourself while you were there. For sure. So yeah, so I went on my first mission trip 
to uh, to Rwanda, and we went to go build Keyhole Gardens. And at that time, and this is a part I, I, I rarely say, but I was actually going through it through that time. Like I was, I was trying to figure out what I was going to transition into. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like my, because I had just resigned as a teacher, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So that that trip alone was very life giving. Um, it gave me like a sense of like pride and then also like, hey man, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. And while we were there building those gardens, me and my friends came back and realized, like we kept saying to ourselves while we were even there, we was like, man, these people need water. This community needs water. So we came back and started a water well project. None of us knew how water came out of the ground. None of us was engineers. So <laughs> this was like a, a real big task, but we were able to go back and build our first well and that like sparked something in me. It gave me this, this, this excitement of like, wow, we took something that was nothing, just yes. the idea, and we were able to do this. And so while we were there in Kajeo, Rwanda, I remember asking myself for three days straight, if money wasn't an option, if whatever you dreamt up was to actually happen for you, like what would you actually do? Like, what would that be? And I remember having to wrestle. I wrestled that whole time because it would be like, oh, I can do this. But he was like, nah, that's not like really shooting for the stars here. You're just doing stuff that like that you can like obtain. And so something that just seemed very far-fetched and something that I really truly was passionate about was traveling around the world, helping people and getting paid to do it. Once I was able to find that, that, that in my heart, like that's when I committed. And I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna travel the world, help people and get paid to do it. And that took me into what I'm doing now. And you mentioned that you, uh, you learned how to travel first from an 18 year old girl who just turned 19 and you mentioned she was black. Mm -hmm. You are as well. And not yep. only are you a black man, you're also self-described as a large man. You describe yourself in other words, but I'll let you describe those. So you're you're a big guy, man. And you said, John, yeah. I don't know a whole lot of guys that look like me out of this country. Talk, just talk about some of the, the yeah. challenges that you face traveling. Yeah, especially back then, 17 years ago, social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Um, and so I always talk about representation and things like that. Like people just didn't see themselves gone. I have family members that never been anywhere. I have friends of family members that haven't been anywhere. A lot of people that traveled and went internationally were always the military folks. So I never saw a lot of black and brown people traveling. And then on top of that, I never saw a lot of plus size people traveling. It took years before I even recognized this. Cause I was like, man, I'm usually like the largest person in these places. And I mean, largest as in like, there's nobody even close. Like everybody else is like, Thick, yeah. slim, straight body kind of people. Like, so it was, it was like no plus size people actually traveling like me. And I was like, why is that? Because I do know that there are a whole bunch of plus size people in America. It intrigued me. It made me think to myself, like, huh. So I was always trying to find what my mission was, like what, what am I after? And so I was like, you know what? I should help plus size people travel the world. I should help chubby people travel the world. And that's how Chubby Diary started because I truly do believe that representation, like when people see themselves represented, they'll get out there and, and do it uh, just like you. Like they'll they'll be motivated, they'll be encouraged. And so, but people just have to see it. And I've, I've got to see that 
even in the black and brown space or just like the black travel movement, where once people saw other like minorities or black and brown people going out and traveling, that's when they started doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was beautiful because it was like pulling teeth when I first started traveling to get somebody that looked like me to get out there and travel. But once they saw it on the internet and stuff like that and saw like, oh, these people are okay. They enjoyed themselves. I guess I can go out there too. And so that's what happened. So th- there's two big things that come out of that. Then I'll, I'll uh, ask a follow-up question. Number one is you start inspiring people who would not have been typical travelers possibly in the past to imagine that they can go, that they can do things. Even if it's hard, they can do things. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that comes out of this in my mind is when you see someone doing something hard, it inspires you to do something in your own life that might be hard. And that might not be going to Africa to dig wells. It it might be calling a sibling that you've lost relationship with or Mm. checking in and saying, man, I've, I've, I've got an addiction. I don't know where to turn, but I need help. So some some of what I borrow from the things you've done, and you've done so many, we'll talk about a few, is it inspires people to become a far better version of themselves than they were before Mm -hmm. you saw you do something good. Wow. Let's come back to talk about Chubby Diaries. Many people come up with ideas like this, and then Mm -hmm. they sit at home and they just kind of like tap their laptop like, huh, I got the good name. Now what do I do? So talk about that. Where'd you go, man? Eventually you leave Austin. Where'd you go first? Um, oh, wow. What was my first trip? Whoa. I don't even think I thought of this. Wow. Oh, you know what it was? It was Paris. I went to Paris. That was my first trip. And I took my grandmother. Me and my wife took our grandmothers to Paris. And it was like any trip that I took, I had to make sure that I got the content for it. And in in those times, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was just trying to figure it out. Um, but I promise you, I was in this place of like, I looked at it as a business because that's what it is. Uh, I went from an entrepreneurial mindset of, okay, I need to be consistent. I remember the book I read, The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. He said the biggest obstacle that like young brands or new businesses face is obscurity. Like people just don't know who you are. And so you can't get mad and don't get in your feelings about it. People just don't know who you are. Um, And so I made it my mission or I made it like my challenge was, okay, I need to continue to promote. I need to continue to put myself out there so that people can recognize me. So I was giving countdowns and things like that just to get people excited about what was to come for Chubby Diaries. Uh, And then I just kept posting. I just nonstop posting because I knew that I needed to do it. Uh, And I love how some person said that like, uh, when I went back to look at my 100th video, hmm. uh, I could see where I grew from, like like how it wasn't that great then, but to see how it is now. But the moral of the story is that I actually did it. I started. Yes. And you, because he was like, if you never start, you'll never see the progression of yourself. And so I got to do that. And the, it was even in the first few posts that I realized that we were onto something because so many people started reaching out to me and and I started gaining traction very quickly that like people was like wow I think the same way these are the same challenges I have when I travel there's a lack of uh, accessibility there's a lack of comfort there's the embarrassment or isolation I felt when I realized when I got to I stayed in line for two hours to get on this ride just to realize that 
I can't fit in the line. And then people in line are seeing me that I can't even get on it. So now I'm embarrassed. So it's all of these different things. And so I wanted to also eliminate that whole thing of like, you know what? I don't want you to feel isolated. I don't want you to feel embarrassed. So I'll go do it myself. I'll give you as much information as I can from this perspective so that you don't have to be in this position. And I also told people like, I wanted to redefine travel. Like I was saying before, like most of the travel, like uh, blogs, uh, publications, uh, magazines and articles, a lot of stuff was always featuring somebody that was straight body fit and a person that was not from the BIPOC community. And so I was like, I wanna redefine that. I wanna change that. I wanna change the narrative. And I also wanna speak to people now where they're at now, because I had a, a family member that said to me, he was like, well, why don't you just teach people how to lose weight and then you don't have to have this, this, uh, this platform? And I was like, well, I was like, good question. Uh, but the thing is, I was like, there's so many other platforms out there that are teaching people how to lose weight. I want to talk to the person where they're at right now. I want to bring some humanistic like portion to these people. Like, like I want them to know that they're loved, that they're seen and that they're human. I want them to see that now. And I'm going to speak to them where they're at right now. Like I always tell people, it's not about uh, obesity. Like I'm not here to promote obesity. I'm here to promote people living life now. Hmm. You're, you're going to some amazing places. You're taking some amazing friends like your grandmother for the, for the mm -hmm. tour with you. You're also doing some really cool things. And I know some of them in some regards have changed your life. Pikes Peak, yeah. uh, you know, it, this is a little bit more local. So come back to the United States, leave your passport at home for a moment. But for, mm -hmm. for our, our international audience, where is Pikes Peak and why is it one of your favorite trips? Yeah, I actually, and I, I never even told people why I even went. I was going to see two of my friends get married together and we had uh, some time on our hands. So we went to Colorado Springs and heard about Pikes Peak. None of us that was in the car together, none of us knew that you can actually go to the top of Pikes Peak because it's a peak and it looks like a peak. It doesn't even like people can even go up there. But uh, we made that journey up. And when I got to the top of it, I've never seen what I've seen before. Like so much beauty. Like when they were saying they're like, there's mountains and valleys. Like I actually got to see mountains and valleys. I got to see rivers and and just like all of this, like trees and just nature, just everywhere. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. It was so beautiful that it took days to process. Mm. Like, and I've never seen anything like that, still, even still to this day, possibly, that, that really did something to my brain, that it took time for my brain to actually process what I just saw. Because it was a lot of newness. Uh, and it was like being that high up. Like yeah. to be able to still see everything the way that you could, I thought that was just beautiful. Well, man, from the highest mountain to the lowest valley, let's go below below the earth for a little bit into the water. I know one of the most transformational experiences you've had is scuba diving. Yeah, uh, you know, you're you're a plus size guy, and not have a scuba tank on your back, probably probably as a young boy. What what was that first trip like for you going under the water and? Uh, and then remaining under the water. Yeah, so first of all, I love swimming. Swimming was always a thing of mine from the beginning. Growing up in Florida, we had pools and lakes and oceans to go to. Um, 
But for scuba diving, I was so anxious. Like, I think I was more anxious about, will I be able to go? Because one, I needed my own wetsuit. I brought my own wetsuit at that time. Now there's a lot of tour operators that have extended their sizes so that other plus size people can do uh, these activities. But having a wetsuit and then finding a BCD, thinking that I didn't know if a BCD, which is the which is the backpack that goes that holds the tank, so that you can put that over you, um, so that the tank can stay connected to you. I didn't think there would be one my size, but we found one in my. It's not even that it, we found one. It's the normal like three X that you can get, uh, and I found that they, they have them everywhere. So me being able to just even just be geared up and have something that worked for me was also was already amazing. Um, but once I got in the water, I actually was like very terrified in a sense because I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, wait, I can't just come straight up like I normally do. And I was still caught up on the water, but I'll never forget my instructor. Uh, I was out in, in Maui in, in Hawaii and uh, my instructor, that was the first time like a person calmed me down in a situation to where I felt like I was about to go to fight or flight mode. But she literally like looked at me. She did the little point finger uh, to her eyes and then to your eyes. Like, hey, look at me. Focus. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Let it out. Take a deep breath. Let it out. And I did that while I was underwater. And I felt like she was she was my saving grace because I was like, my whole life is in your hand right now. Uh, but her calming me down made me realize even for the rest of the time, because now I'm like, advanced certified as a scuba diver, I realized from that moment that, you know what, sometimes you just need to take that deep breath because mm -hmm. everything probably is okay. So what I love so much about your work is it's not about scuba diving and it's mm -hmm. not about the Eiffel Tower and it's mm -hmm. not about South Africa or whatever else. It's really about these lessons that are learned that are applicable in life, like take a deep breath. Yeah. Take a deep breath, man. You can do the hard mm -hmm. stuff. So you are doing this stuff. You're traveling the world. You're traveling the United States. You're sharing these experiences with your following. And the following keeps growing. And then National Geographics reaches out to you. Talk about that. Yeah, I was just doing what I was doing. And, and I did tell some people this, but like I got reached out about a, a couple of shows through that time. Like in that season, I think maybe like three, four different production studios reached out to me, but for some reason, the Nat Geo one felt different. It just it just felt different. I remember like I got the email and I was on the phone with the casting agent that day. I interviewed with her and then like, I did like three, four more interviews within a week span. So I felt like it was, it was moving a little bit different because I also even knew how they were gonna, how these interviews were gonna go because I've done them in the past, um, but we just kept going further along in the process. And it took almost a year from them initially reaching out to me before we actually got the green light. And we went and shot two pilot episodes like sizzles of it. And we went to Iceland and to Hawaii. And that by itself was just amazing. Like it was like, hey, we didn't get the show. Me having that experience would have been good enough for me. But uh, we got the green light uh, back in March of 2022. And by May, we were out here shooting in New Zealand. So episode one, people, buckle up for it. It is when Jeff goes down in New Zealand. Man, it is an awesome, 
awesome show and episode and your joyfulness and willingness to do the things that you would have never fathomed doing as a little boy growing up in Orlando. It just makes everybody else feel like a kid again, too. It's awesome. So going through that New Zealand trip, I'm not going to have you unpack the entire thing because our audience will be watching it. Um, Why don't we just talk about, why don't we talk about the boat race? Okay. How was that? The Waka? Yeah, the Waka. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm very competitive. So when I realized we were challenging another team and we were about to go at it, I was like, oh, I was like, this is going to be fun. But them to just throw me in there, it was like, wait, we're doing this now. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that's what, that's what we're doing. I didn't know we were actually doing a race. But the moment you got out on the water, uh, all I did was like, I'm paddling. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in New Zealand. Because you could just see all of these mountains. This water is just pristine. Like, it was just beautiful. And, and the air was crisp. So it was just, it was such a beautiful, like, like that wind hitting you really yeah. opened up your brain to let you feel that like, oh man, I'm here in New Zealand and I'm shooting a TV show. This is cool. Then you do some glamping, you shave some, some sheep, you go on a, a splunkering adventure in New Zealand of all places. And then you go on class five whitewater rapids, ultimately over a 25 <laughs> foot waterfall. I mean, this is craziness, man. And, and unless it's an act, you don't know what you're signing up for when the day begins. Is that accurate? Mm, yeah. For the most part, a lot of it was very spontaneous to me. And it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to do some whitewater rafting. It's another thing to be in a suit with a life jacket, a, a hard hat, and then you're hearing the roar of the water as you get closer mm. to it. Just to talk about being this, this kid who grew up in Orlando, now in New Zealand, whitewater rafting with some of those guys. Yeah, it was a immaculate experience. Like, I, I remember, and this didn't make it in the show, but I just remember the feeling of adventure. Uh, and we kind of mentioned it in the show where me and my brother, we would play adventures is what we called it. We call it adventures. And we would take our beds or our pallets and we'll turn it into a spaceship or like an actual ship that you sail down the water or the Amazon. And for some reason... It felt like I was that kid and I'm actually in one of these destinations because the river that we were on and the white water rapids, the, it was just so lush, full of like tropically or tropical like greenery and stuff like that. So it was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like this is stuff I only thought about in my dreams. Only things I see on TV or, or see in movies, like I'm actually having this experience right now. And I was trying to take that moment in. And I knew that these jokers are about to make me go down an actual <laughs> waterfall <laughs> on top of that. I'll let our, our listeners find out whether or not you survived yes. the waterfall, but it, it, it's, it makes for beautiful TV and it was awesome and inspiring. And yet my favorite part was the interaction you had not so much with nature as with fellow human beings. Yeah. A guy down there named Jameis. I loved him. Man, I could tell, and I, and I could tell he loved you and, and that you had this odd connection. Guys from different parts of the world, different cultures, but you bonded. Why do you think that is? We smile. I think that's one thing. That's what I always starts it. I always tell people, like, my, my smile is my superpower. I, I didn't realize just putting, in a, putting on a smile, how it softens people. And the one thing that I, I continue to, I'm learning the more I travel, 
that people are the same in a lot of ways. Although we might technically do some stuff different, we all still have some of the same tendencies and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I really do believe that people just want to be seen and they want to be appreciated. That's it. Like they want to be seen and appreciated and somewhat loved. And I feel like I try my hardest to anybody I meet that I try to let them know that I see them and that I appreciate them. I appreciate this time that I get to have with you. Uh, and I always wanted to be like, and, it, and this does not drain me. Some people, especially all my introverted friends, they'll be the first to say, like, like I personally want people to have a good time with me. I want good energy or a fun time to be associated with me when I'm hanging out with you. Like, I want it to be like, man, you know what? I, I really enjoyed Jeff. Like, I like that guy. We had a good time together. And what, what's that, that saying that it's not, it's not what you say, it's how you make people feel that they remember. And, and I think I come from that place. And so I feel like Jameis also has that same kinetic energy. And, yeah. and we definitely just, we could just buy. And something that impressed me about Jameis and then several of the other individuals you met in New Zealand is their, their sense of place sense of family mm. connection mm. to nature and ability to regurgitate their lineage um, mm. as they don't view it as the past they view it as part of the present mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you lived with these people man T talk about what that was like to experience that with them i mean i always say this about like polynesian pacific islanders the Maori tribe like all of that like indigenous culture like the one thing that they have that i love so much is that I feel like they're they're people of endearment. Like they're all endearing. Like the way that they talk to each other, the hamama, like there's this oneness or like, it's like when they're talking to you, it's like they're hugging you with their words. Like, oh, come, yes. Ah, I love you, brother. Like, I love that. That makes me so happy. That's just who they are. And to be able to, to just get a piece of that and walk alongside them and, you, it just, it automatically rubs off on you. So, but then you can also say like, oh yeah, of course y'all know y'all history or y'all have some groundage because there's a sense of pride in your people. There's a sense of pride in your culture. There's a sense of pride that like, whatever our forefathers are, the people that came here, like we, we have pride in this. And yeah. so that to me, I think is great. And I feel like some of it wasn't manipulated or anything like that. And so it's, it's, they still had a piece of themselves and they made sure that they were able to keep it. Never say never. It's the name of the show on, on Nat Geo right now. What have been the reviews you're hearing so far? They've been just incredible uh, in a lot of ways. I'm overwhelmed. That's the word by the inundation of, of the positivity that has come from this show. It, it did everything that I wanted it to do. Right. I wanted it to be very inspiring. That's why I wanted to come on this podcast. Because um, <clears throat> you, my people, and we're trying to inspire, I'm down for it. Let's go. But it's inspiring, it's motivating, it's, it's kind-hearted. Because uh, I'm a kind-hearted person, individual. And to hear how people, and I think you kind of just mentioned that earlier, but it's like, Although I was doing my challenges, it was challenging people. People weren't even thinking about the challenge at hand. Like they were also thinking to themselves like, well, well can I do that? Well, what else can I challenge myself in my life? 
And that to me, I thought was just beautiful. And to see how multi-generational this show is to where kids and adults, older adults, yeah. uh, 70, 80 plus, I've seen people that that age watch the show and just become fans of it because of just how it felt. And I think that to me has just been beautiful. It's, it's been great. It's the show that you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Sounds like a plug you practice a couple times, Jeff. No, I, not that one. No, I just because I was I was saying it while we were shooting it. Like I truly do believe, like as we were just like things were unfolding as we were shooting and getting to meet so many beautiful people and they, the people that were with us, they had a story to tell. That's there was something that they wanted to get out there, and I was like, "Wow, this is way bigger than me." You know, and, yeah. and I, I really do hope that that shines and that people know that this show goes way past me. It goes way past you because you open yourself up so much to be known during that show. And one of the things you said on the various times I've I've seen you is life begins when my comfort zone ends. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means. Life begins where my comfort zone ends. Well, my comfort zone is definitely smaller now because of the show, but it's it's. Even as a, we get caught up in us, we get caught up in our community. We can get put in bubbles. We can be put in boxes and we want to do what's comfortable to us. And it was 17 years ago when I was in Japan that my mentor first said that to me, that like life begins where your comfort zone ends. I would not have been able to experience the pleasures or the joy of traveling if I didn't keep that at the forefront. Like I would not have experienced, I would have been in France asking for chicken nuggets, you mm. know, because that's where my comfort zone was. But no, like, no, I, I want to be in this country. I want to try your delicacies. I want to do this. I want to experience that. I would have never done any of that if I didn't stand out, if I did not push myself outside of my comfort zone. And everybody has their own comfort zone and their own comfort zone levels. But it's also the small things that you don't even know that you're uncomfortable by. It doesn't have to be some elaborate like excursion or event like me crossing a bridge in the sky, a mile up in the sky. Like you don't, that's 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 one comfort zone. But there's also the times you just going up and talking with somebody that's yeah. from another culture and uh, lives in a whole nother country and you being able to push past your comfort zone to have this conversation and push past the language barrier. Like that's, that's a lot. And that does a lot. So like, that's, I love it. I love pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. What would you say to someone who is currently stuck? They're, they're just, whether it's on a job they don't like, or they're, they're stagnant mm -hmm. in their faith journey. They, they feel like they haven't taken on a new hobby or an old hobby in a long, long, long time. They just are, they're who they were today the same person decades ago and they, they want to grow and expand in some new way. What's your challenge to them or invitation to, to them? Oh yeah. The challenge invitation is to dream big. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you permission to dream big because I think people stop dreaming. The older they get, the more they just, just stop. And like, I feel like even in our school systems, they've taught us how to work for people. So there's like the lack of dreaming that happens. Let's be real. The moment I started actually dreaming and giving myself permission to dream is when things started changing for me. That's when I actually started. I would, this, this television show, I was reading off every single day that I will have a travel show. Every day for three years, I would read it off my phone every single day. 
you will have a travel show. You will have a travel show. Now I say to myself, you will have a successful travel show. But it's all about dreaming big and actually doing things that you never thought that you could do and giving yourself that permission and that grace to actually do it. So start there and then commit to those dreams because that's the other thing. People leave that part out. You quoted Grant Cardone a moment ago and that idea of, of the 10X factor and keep doing the same work, keep doing the work day after day. And when you feel like quitting, don't just keep moving forward and watch what you can build over the long haul. So as you dream big and as you remain intentional going forward, what's next for you? You know, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing now. Um, my, my dreams go past like money. They go past this show. I'm going to just continue to inspire people. I want to help people get to their highest, truest self and, and have that actualization for themselves and to be able to enjoy themselves. I actually had somebody call me today, a loved one. I didn't know the severity of it, but they were, they were talking about harming themselves, harming themselves today. And this was at three o'clock in the morning. And I got to sit there and just let them talk mm. as much as I could today and just was saying like hey I'm here I'm listening what's up talk to me why do you feel this way and once they got through all of that and that took almost a whole hour then I got to like just speak life into her it was a beautiful moment because a lot of times we all get stuck in this moment and not think about like the future and what the future can hold and how like how this whole moment like everything can switch everything can change for you if you continue to just keep going and she was able to go get help today and she's still here on earth. So that, mm. that made me very happy, but it's what I was trying to get at was sometimes I'm helping people to see their potential. I'm helping people to see like, this is who you are and things like that. And so that's been a beautiful work that I've been just continuing to work on. Amanda, I want to thank you for helping us realize who we are and whose we are and what matters most and yes. what remains possible in our lives. It's, it's mighty work that you're doing. And we wrap up all of our interviews with seven questions. We call them the live inspired seven okay. seven rapid fire questions, whether you are a choir teacher for a high school juniors, or you are traveling the world, or you're a guy who's done both. Here we go. Question number one for Jeff Jenkins, what's been the best or most influential book you've ever read? The 10X Rule, <laughs> my Grant Cardone. This episode brought to you by Grant Cardone. And uh, uh -huh. question number two. What? Before I get to question number two, what, what, was, what was it about that book or the primary lesson within it that was so meaningful? Well, first, it was that dreaming big, but it was the times in it by 10. So he was like, yeah, do, think very big. Think very audacious and have these really big goals. And he was like, you got it in your head? Now, times it by 10. So guess what that did? That took you way out of what you were expecting, you know? And so that made me realize how small-minded I can be at yeah. times. But then also the last thing, even after going and chasing after these dreams and stuff that I'm going for, being able to realize and estimate the, the hardship or how much effort and energy is going to take to get you to where you want to go. Because he says that people underestimate how hard and how difficult to get to these goals actually are. And then times that by 10. So that's why I say it's helped me out. It brought it into perspective. Jeff, what's one positive characteristic or a trait that you possess as a little boy in Orlando that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? 
it goes back to that childlike faith in a lot of ways. I, I feel like I still have it, but man, back then, uh, little Jeff, man, he was very faithful. He was very like, like he always was dreaming in a way. Uh, little Jeff, uh, I can only imagine what kind of kid he was because Big Jeff is is a faithful, big, bold dreamer too. So for Big Jeff, if your home caught fire and all living things are out and you have an opportunity of running in and grabbing one item, one physical thing, what would you come racing back outside with? There's a box with my memorabilia in it from when I was a kid. And I would want that box full of memorabilia. Hmm. They're my, my memorabilia. It's not even others. Mm -hmm. If you could sit on a bench on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone living or deceased, who would you like to be seated next to? Oprah. Still Oprah. Mm -hmm. I think you'll, you'll get that chance. What's the best advice Oprah, a grandmother, parent, a travel guide, choir teacher, anyone else ever gave you? So the best advice Jeff Jenkins ever received is? The reason why we're all successful is because we're the ones that didn't give up. Hmm. What encouragement or wisdom would you give yourself at age 20? You are powerful beyond measure. Mm. Like you, you are, you actually have it in you now. Just, just go for it. Jeff Jenkins, it has been said that all great travel influencers and Nat Geo stars and human beings can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Mm. He was kind. He was thoughtful. He was gracious. Ah. Jeff Jenkins is kind, thoughtful, gracious, and a wonderful guide, both uh, on television and in life. Jeff, I want to thank you again for your work and your words and your example. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. This really meant a lot. My friends, that is the great Jeff Jenkins. My name is John O'Leary. His message is never say never. And mine is this. Today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. I love that. Mm. My friends, life begins where your comfort zone ends. This mantra goes much farther and then much deeper than an epic travel adventure named Jeff Jenkins. It encompasses reigniting relationships with a friend or a family member that might have gone sideways in the past. It involves facing fears or anxiety related to a career change. It involves taking action on an addiction that might be grabbing hold of your life. Sometimes it's a, just about having the courage to step boldly into the new day, look out and say, my gosh, the foundation is firm. The head one may be real, but the best is yet to come because our life begins where our comfort zone ends. If you enjoyed today's episode with Jeff as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, you might also enjoy another adventure, another great human being, another friend. His name is Michael Easter. Michael is an investigative health journalist who shares how we can leverage the life-enhancing power of discomfort. That's right. You heard that right. Discomfort, agony, pain in our daily lives to relieve tension, to lower the risk of disease, and to dramatically improve our overall well-being. It's one of my favorite episodes with one of my favorite guys. If you're looking to rediscover real connection in our world, this conversation will help you embrace discomfort and reclaim your wild, happy, 
healthy self. To listen to Michael Easter's conversation on the Live Inspired podcast, you can check it out at episode 474. Or if that's way too far back in your library, come on over, cruise with me right now to johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. And we'll have a link in the show notes for our Michael Easter conversation. My friends, you know I love you. You know there's nothing you can do about it. I thank you for traveling the world with me wherever you tune in. And if you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy bringing it to you, tell your friends, tell those you work with, tell those you worship with and work out with that you're traveling the world with John O'Leary and they should be too. So family, friends, fellow sojourners for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary and today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. Helians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at keelycompanies.com.